Attention Kingdom Hospital medical staff. Attention. Our Caring Canines program has recently been expanded to other emotional support animals. The approved list now consists of dogs, cats, birds, lizards, and metaphysical anteaters. This concludes your announcements. Stay tuned for your regularly scheduled morning earthquake. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, constant readers? Wow, it's been so long, I almost (laughs) forgot what I call our (laughs) listeners. That's amazing! Hey, constant Uh, readers. And today we are covering episode one of the series Kingdom Hospital, and we have CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. Thanks, Josh. Before we begin, I want to make a disclaimer that I'm going to make at the start of every episode. We chose to do the Kingdom Hospital series during the COVID isolation because we want to do our part to keep ourselves and each other healthy. And what that means for you, the listeners, is that you might not hear the same audio quality, and you definitely won't, I shouldn't say might, (laughs) that you're used to. And things might be a little bumpy and awkward because I'm the only one who's actually in the studio right now because it's in my house. So Josh and Ben are each recording from their respective homes. So please bear with us. We'll do our best to give you a great show. And if you're a first-time listener, please know that this is an unusual time for us. And we ask that you stick with us. So thanks, everyone. Also, if you're a first-time listener, why are you not starting with the stand? It's (laughs) (laughs) at a time like this. Seems like the obvious choice. Also, I do have a correction. I'm actually recording from Ben's home and Ben's recording from my home. Oh, sorry. We just mm-hmm. a little switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into Kingdom Hospital. For those of you unfamiliar, this is a 13-episode TV series based on The Kingdom, a Danish TV series and developed by Stephen King for American Television in 2004. And we open with some narration introducing us to the world of Kingdom Hospital located in Lewiston, Maine. But before it was a hospital, it was something else. That beginning is a little confusing because I had to listen to it like three times to understand. So if I'm correct, it's a, it was a mill mm-hmm. that made uniforms for the Union Army. What? I have <laughs> no idea. That, uh, I didn't hear that part at all. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's an old-timey mill. That's I, enough information for me. I was also confused. Actually, I had to look it up. So, yeah, Josh, you're right. It was a mill that manufactured military uniforms during the American Civil War. In a, it was a hospital called Old Kingdom, but then like after the mill. And then the hospital burned down. And then now the hospital we are in currently is New Kingdom. So New Kingdom Hospital. Oh, okay. I missed Wait, the part the where there was another hospital. hospital burned down? No, I think the old kingdom is just like a weird because at the point where our main main character, who's the main character? Okay, we're getting (laughs) there's too much. Anyway, when our king surrogate is like walking through his weird coma dream, they call that the old kingdom. I think that's just a weird, like, psychic realm. I don't think there was an old hospital that burned down. I read that it was a hospital was built there after the mill. 
And yeah, that's the hospital that we're we're in. But that right? it was no, that it was a different hospital that burned down. So they built a new hospital. So but did if you're, two things burn down. I don't because know what the happened mill is the to thing the that mill. Down. The the mill burned down because that was all the the chill the child laborers are the ones that died, mm-hmm. and that's our little girl ghost and our possible antagonist, <laughs> Paul. Well, so. Something burnt down. (laughs) And I don't know. If you call something old anything, expect something to happen to it to pave way for new whatever. That's true. Yeah. Before we move on with the plot, uh, we we have this opening narration. And I wanted to get you guys' opinion on this. Because I felt like this opening sequence is one of the most king things I've ever seen adapted onto screen. Because it's this, like, grizzled old man narrator voice with just a slight Yankee, or or slight, like, main accent. (laughs) And it's very, very, like, just towny sounding. And I love it. He's just like, yep, the the old mill burned down and uh, there was a lot of... I, I can't think of any particulars, but it was very, very king what did what did you guys think about the kingness of this uh show i loved it immediately yeah i absolutely agree the the beginning for as confusing of an info dump as it was there was something very king about giving me so much information that i may or may not need all right we also get a series of kind of disturbing shots a man banging his head into a locker a mysterious little girl something on top of an elevator an earthquake, images that seem to set the scene for an overall ominous feel, at least they did for me, which is later tempered by the banter between our doctors, who we're going to get to in a moment. But first, the dad from Heroes, Jack Coleman. Let's talk about Jack's character. Oh, yeah, I thought I recognized <laughs> that guy. Fucking HRG, man, horn-rimmed glasses. Yep. I love seeing him in stuff. Like, he's such a talented actor, and he like he's so much fun to watch. So who's Jack? Jack is Peter Rickman, who is a famous author. Wait, sorry, painter. <laughs> he's Stephen King. Is he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's definitely Stephen King. He paints a disturbing, well, his wife finds the painting disturbing, of a giant anteater at this, outside of an inn that's nearby their house. The painting comes true? I guess. Well, yeah, yeah well, the, we'll there's... get to that. <laughs> yeah. One thing, it's he's set up as like, uh, he's a famous painter. You know, one of those painters that's so famous, he's on the cover of Newsweek. Yes! Like I thought the he, same thing. He has a magazine cover where I think the, the title of the magazine, the little caption on the magazine cover is, Good Art Does Sell. Let's make him an author, Stephen King. We get what you're doing. I was really struck by his rad glass house. That house is amazing. It's beautiful. I would live there in an instant. The production design in this show is pretty fucking rad. We've come a long way from Rose Red. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all of the sets, the the hospital, like the looks really cool. The like creepy 
evil world looks, although it's very obviously a soundstage, is still pretty cool looking. (laughs) Ah, I really enjoyed it. So Peter goes out for a jog. And do you guys know the song he's listening to? Red Dragon Tattoo by Fountain Swain. Okay, I couldn't remember that. Um, And one of our fans, Brian Burnett, shared with us that the lead singer of that band recently died from complications related to the coronavirus unfortunately so that's very sad that's awful that song has been stuck in my head non-stop since listening yeah. to that in the first episode it's a pretty good song i didn't know how, to, how i felt about it at first but it's like very like bubblegum poppy but with uh much cooler so it sounds a lot i thought it was uh like apples in stereo or the new pornographers or something but it is very catchy yeah so he's jogging along and he's listening he's got his uh i clocked that disc (laughs) man and laughed forever and something terrible happens he is hit by a guy driving a truck and we've seen this character since we've seen him in the dark tower series because this guy is the guy, is he not, who hit Stephen King in real life? I mean, okay. Wait, so I don't. Okay. That's a lot to unpack. That's okay, so this, much. This was at, after he got hit mm-hmm. in real life. And yes. Right. But the way you phrased that sentence was saying that the guy who hit him <laughs> is the same guy. You know what? I now, stick well, by the- it. In the Dark Tower series, it is. Because in the, the which is it, book six, I think, actually goes through and, like, it is literally the guy that hit King that is in the book. I don't think, I think this is similar to how it's not Stephen King is our main character and this isn't (laughs) supposed to be literally the same guy. But it's the exact same situation where this guy is, like, stoned and buzzed and gets distracted by his dog in the back of his van and and hits our, our main character, which is exactly what happened to Stephen King. Hits that him hard. Hit, that hit is amazing. And so the hit is amazing. And then something even, I hesitate to use the word cooler, but it's really cool. Cooler happens when the guy gets out of the car and he's you know freaking out. And Peter's pretty calm, sounds pretty calm. He's like, hey, man, you know, I, I need you to give me a hand. And you hear his voice, but you're looking at him and he is not moving his mouth. Like he is, is paralyzed and he cannot speak. And this guy is just going out. Let's talk about that scene because I thought it was really cool and really well done. It is extremely effective. There's something so terrifying about that where you're in trouble and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't communicate it. it it reminds me of uh, what's the short story autopsy room, whatever. Oh, and everything's eventual. From, the first, yeah, story, yeah. where uh, a guy is paralyzed because he got bit by a snake, but everyone thinks he's dead. So he's like, you're just in his head while he's about to be autopsied, <sighs> and that that gave me that vibe. So this guy is is telling Peter, like, I'm sorry, I I can't get another point on my driver's license i'm in trouble already and then yells at him for jogging and takes off and then a crow lands on peter's chest and at first i was like he's coming to take his spirit it's like you know because i love brandon lee and the crow 
but that's not what happens. <laughs> you thought the crow, and I obviously thought about Randall Flag. Oh, <laughs> just sitting on his chest. Yeah. So that's that's when we find out. I think, unless I misinterpreted this, that we and Peter can hear what the crow is thinking too, because the crow's like, "Ooh, those eyeballs! I'm gonna get them!" And Peter's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> this show is bonkers. Yeah. So th- this happens a few times in this episode, and I don't know whether he can actually hear the animals talk. I think he can, because... So what happens next? So the crow lands, and you're like, oh shit, Peter's going to be conscious and immobile while he gets his eyes pecked out of his head. And then we hear like this growling, and we see a POV from a- across the way, you know, something big and scary is coming out of the woods and now my video quality was a little messed up so there are going to be a few points tonight where i'm very confused and i'm not sure if what i'm going to present to you is accurate (laughs) so feel free to correct me i thought that what came out was a sloth and then i thought it was an anteater and then i thought it was a bear and so i finally settled on ant (laughs) but i was so confused it i i've I thought it was a bear at first with the growling and just the the size of it, mm-hmm. but no, it is definitely an anteater. It's a metaphysical something that resembles yeah. an ant bear. And he's super yeah. chill too. He's like, he sounds stoned. Like he's just having a good time. Uh-huh. And he's telling Peter, hey man, you know, if I were you, I'd save my strength. And then he drags him a little bit closer to the road. And what was awesome is Ant Bear is in his painting that we saw before he left the house for his morning jog. You, you forgot one important part is that he eats an ant off of Peter's face and says, absolutely delicious. Oh my God. Oh, I can't Once I again, that. for better or worse, this show is so obviously written by Stephen King. It's great. A 100% a Stephen King line. <laughs> Fortunately for Peter, a truck driver from another level of the tower comes along and radios for help. What? What? He's driving a Nazala cola truck. Oh shit, I never I did not he notice that. I didn't notice that either. That's you amazing. Want, you guys That's want to talk crazy. about that connection? What, okay, well what does that mean? That I I'm trying to think of what that could possibly because Nazala cola exists in what? In book 4, they're in Topeka and they it's been destroyed by the the super flu, right? I believe so. I so I don't know. Like maybe he went through a thinny and Ka sent him there, or the White sent him there to save Peter. That's what I'm gonna go with. Crazy. <laughs> the EMTs arrive and start working on Peter. They get him into the ambulance, and he sees a little girl and Ant Bear sitting inside the back of the ambulance with him. And Ant Bear warns him that the little girl is Mary, and he needs to watch out for her. She has a bell around her neck, and. He tells him to listen for the bell. It's a death bell. I have one question about this. So when they're that really intense action sequence of the EMTs taking care of him, getting him stable with the doctors on the phone, which this show is so good about the supernatural, the spooky stuff, but it is on par with any other medical show I've ever seen with the detail and care it gives to those medical emergency beats. I'm so glad you mentioned that because this is my first hospital show. 
I've never watched like ER or Grey's Anatomy or anything like that because medical stuff freaks me out. And to watch them work together and, and work with the doctors kind of remotely and just how efficient they were and how calm and cool and collected. I was like, okay, I need to watch hospital shows because that's awesome. Well, how cool and calm and collected one of them is. Well, the other guys, <laughs> yeah, he's still there's, trying hard. <laughs> yeah, there's two EMTs and the, these characters, I'm pretty sure recur in later episodes. One of them is is very cool and calm and collected. And the other one is like, there's this, as they're all checking on Peter, they're on a, a radio call with the hospital, the doctors at the hospital. And they're giving them like a, a rundown. And one of the EMTs keeps saying, oh, his eyes are open. He's, he's awake, I think. And the doctors at the hospital are like, we don't care. Give him, <laughs> like, is he breathing? Give his, his heart rate and all the important information. And so we're kind of like supposed to think that this one guy is kind of an incompetent, I guess. I think he's or just new. new. It has That's one of my favorite lines in this is he like... They move on from the eyes, and then he brings the eyes back up, and the doctor goes, there's Ollie the optometrist with another <laughs> eye report. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they're both, there's so many, like, cool little king characters in this show that are not the main characters that are just, like, little uh, side people that show up that have uh, really interesting uh, quirks that I'm sure will come into play later on in the season. And speaking of characters, next we are going to meet... Mrs. Druce, Sally, as she's waiting for a doctor, her son works at the hospital and he has brought her in because her arm feels funny. And we know right away, like, that's something's off. That's not right. He knows that. We know that. And Dr. Christine Draper, I'm going to try to keep all these names straight, a neurosurgeon, comes into Sally's room. And now we have my second misunderstanding during the show because... I didn't obtain this illegally and the quality was absolutely fine. I swore that when she walked in, Sally said to her, I'm a yoga doctor, but she actually said, you're a doctor. And for a moment I thought, yeah, way to play up what you do. I'm a podcast doctor. (laughs) That's the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. I had to rewind it. (laughs) Okay. So back with Peter, he he's brought into the hospital, an awesome, awesome scene. And Wait, he is hold, hold on. What? We're just, we're just passing over that Sally looks at her doctor and says, I'm a psychic. Unprompted. Oh, uh, completely yeah. unprompted. <laughs> that comes in later, too. But I just thought, like, it's like, nice to meet you. Oh, I'm a psychic. No big deal. I was still hung up on her claiming to be a yoga doctor, so I breezed right <laughs> past the psychic thing. <laughs> So Peter is being operated on by the dashing Dr. Hook and his team. And there's one guy in there, a a younger doctor, Dr. Elmer, who looks terrified, like he's going to faint at any and every moment. I would be Dr. Elmer. He's another one of the the King characters that like he's an archetype that I feel like King uses. And I don't know how much it comes up in this episode. I'm I, I watched I watched Kingdom Hospital when it was on TV. So I'm remembering stuff that's gonna happen yeah. and elmer is one of those amazing king characters that you're gonna learn to love to hate nice. like he's a creep oh uh, shit okay i'm not dr elmer <laughs> uh, given your track record for people you identify with cm oh come on i thought you were gonna say given your track record for being creepy because of our last outsider <laughs> episodes <laughs> all the boner talk okay i 
I need your help, Josh, probably, and maybe Ben, too. I so don't know stuff about this. Anybody want to talk about the operation? So the the reason they're bringing him into the OR is because with the, the trauma, he has a massive brain bleed, this massive hematoma. And so they have to drill into his skull and release the blood, release the pressure. And Dr. Hook has this great, just that classical brain surgeon ego, like waxing philosophical to Elmer about like, every time I do this, I try to imagine, I take to, in the gravity that what if I was the first person to have ever done this? Like I'm, I'm opening the gates to a three pound universe and just getting really, really into it. Dr. Hook is a real poor man's Hawkeye Pierce. Yeah! They are trying to make him this, like, cool, funny dude. And I guess he is. It's just he comes off as kind of a nerdy dad. (laughs) But he's still, like, a maverick. Like, that's still his... Of all of the neurosurgeons and brain surgeons here, he is is the renegade. He's the the bad boy, if you will. Yeah, he's the Dr. Cox. Yes. I got more Dr. Cox out of it than I did Hawkeye, but he's a good mashup of the two. So when he drills into his head and he releases this blood, one of the nurses turns over, like looks at the, the scan and they notice that what just came out is almost three times smaller than what the scan originally showed. It's almost like his brain is hyper healing itself. Okay. So this is skipping ahead a little, but sticking with this operation after uh, hook is, is drilling into the head and he's like kind of forcing Elmer to be his nurse. He, he makes him do the suction. Elmer's like, that's not my job, whatever they're, they're doing this. And in the middle of the operation, Peter's eyes open and all of the professional brain operation nurses freak out. Like a lady drops a trail of tools bullshit that's, that's, that's <laughs> and she like, does she does that again later too i have a note about that later yeah, it's yeah. like he's she, not she a ghost he's not a ghost like what he's a patient no. and you've seen many of them and you know take this with a grain of salt i'm not a brain surgeon but i'm pretty sure when you're poking around in a person's brain sometimes they'll do stuff like <laughs> open their eyes involuntarily I, I don't think that would be the most rare thing in the world. But he didn't just open his eyes. He started looking around. Granted, the hope him opening his eyes made everybody jump back, but she didn't faint until he started looking around. I guess. Okay, more important than that, though, I really want to know what you guys made of, of what happens next in this operating room. Because he, Dr. Hook notices that his eyes are open, and he tells him to go back to sleep, and he kind of touches his his face his nose and he does in a way that i expected him to go boop when he did it but he did unfortunately (laughs) and at the same time that he does that mary and aunt bear are are just standing alongside the wall and mary touches aunt bear and he lays down and appears to go to sleep as well it's like they mimicked what just happened with peter and dr hook yeah there's a weird symbiosis between the anteater and and peter my biggest thing uh, with this part is that the doctor is in the middle of a brain surgery and then he completely undoes his uh, sterilization 
by touching Peter's face. Like, <laughs> don't do that, man. No, it's bad etiquette. At some point, we we kind of come. We're going back and forth between Peter and other things. Um, one of those things we don't. We'll talk more about Sally later. But I just want to briefly mention, she is put into an elevator by herself a lot. And Not she, protocol. <laughs> she hears, Not allowed. <laughs> she hears a ghost girl crying. Uh, okay, so moving on. We'll come back to Sally later. All right. I This is embarrassing. I had a moment of uncomfortable clarity when we meet the chief hospital administrator, Jesse James. Another doctor, Brenda, I, don't, I didn't get her last name, comes to tell Jesse James that they have a famous patient and he pops a boner immediately. And that's not the part I related to, obviously, but he thanks her and before she leaves, he pushed, he pushes all this merchandise on her. He has like buttons and stickers and static clings with his logo on them. And he gets really intense and he's like, aren't these wonderful? And in that moment, I understood how everyone I've ever given one of our stickers to <laughs> has probably felt when I proudly hand them over because I literally have to stop myself from going, isn't this cool? <laughs> this... This character, uh, Dr. Jesse James, played by the incomparable Ed Begley Jr. Oh, mm-hmm. so happy to see Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> is a weird character. At first, I-, I thought that he was going to be our like main antagonist on the human side, like the the bad doctor. I thought but that he's not. too, and I thought it so hard that it took me five minutes into meeting another doctor who we'll get to in a moment that I thought thought it was the same guy and i had to go back and change my notes so i didn't mess it up for recording yeah he's not he doesn't seem to be bad he just he's like the the trope of the hospital guy that's only concerned about money yeah there's something i need to tell you guys about about egg bigley jr specifically before we carry on with any of kingdom hospital because there's something i want you guys to pay attention to because i know something about him as so, an actor? Yeah, as an actor. A friend of mine did a movie with him a few years ago. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I, I was talking to her when I saw, after watching episode one, I, I texted her and I was like, hey, Ed Begley Jr. is in this thing that I'm watching. How, what was it like working with him? Like, what is he, he like on set? And she told me that he's just super interesting to work with because he needs a motivation for every single thing he does. The, the example she gave is they were doing a scene and he it was just walking down the hall and they were like, hey, could you can you slow down? Like, let's go back. We'll do take the take again and just walk slower. And he was like, should I be checking my phone, checking my watch, like looking through papers? What do you want me to do to slow down? And they're like, no, just walk slower. And he goes, my character would not do that. and so like like just he's he's incredibly apparently just so great to work with but yeah he's very very method so now when you watch him do anything you can just think about he has a reason in his head he has a very clear motivation for every little thing i I am so excited because his character is a little crazy Mrs. Rickman then comes to the hospital and we have an emotional couple of scenes between her and Dr. Hook. And then I need your help again. I I rewound this like three times. I couldn't make it out. We get some ominous whispering. All I heard was guardian of the gate and am I going to die? Did you guys get anything else? I couldn't figure out how to get my captions to work. 
Um, I didn't try to listen deeper. I assumed that that was supposed to be, that was intentionally like spooky and I wasn't supposed to hear it clearly. Same. Oh, you guys. All right. Um, I don't also hold on, CM. Can we back up that you were just going to pass the Jesse James scene without referencing that he blows onto his thumb and sticks his pinky out at the end of that? Yeah, I was. I don't like that. I was going to ignore it completely. <laughs> I didn't appreciate well, it. Well, you, you can't because it comes like it, it happens. More people do it than just him. He does it at the end of this meeting. And then the next meeting, the, when he, him and Hook meet, my note isn't very clear, but uh, my two notes in a row says he suck blows his thumb. <laughs> hilarious. And then my next note is James and Hook blow each other in the closet, <laughs> which is not what it it sounds like it means. But like they have this meeting and then they go into the supply closet and they do the little yeah. thumb pinky thing to each other. And I was like, what is happening? It's it's very obviously one of those bizarre, it's a physical version of a king catchphrase. Yeah. It's just like a thing that a normal person in the real world would not and would never do. But he gives this quirk to this guy and then everyone else, especially Hook, does it throughout the episode, obviously making fun of him. And I love it. It's hilarious. There's something that hasn't come up on this podcast yet about me that you guys don't know. And it is that I severely hate gestures. I don't know why. What? I hate them. I can't stand it. What does that mean? Full stop. We're (laughs) stopping the episode to unpack what, like, I don't like gestures. Like, thumbs up? Gestures like that. I can barely handle (laughs) a thumbs up and a high five, maybe a fist bump. Anything beyond that, I just despise. I want to, it makes my eyes want to puke. Okay. (laughs) Ben, quit gesturing at me. Do you get sick when you watch somebody do sign language? No, I think that's beautiful. Ah. Oh, no. So sign language is just a series of gestures. It's different. It's different, man. <laughs> Way to pick and choose. I thought you guys were going to support me. No, absolutely not. <laughs> DM, I support you in your completely insane thing you just said. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. <laughs> okay. Yeah, where were we? <laughs> we gotta... Josh, did you start the timer that's at my house? <laughs> yep. Yep, I started the timer that's sitting behind you in the screen that I can see. Super, okay. So now we get some mid-episode narration. While the dog observes an old-timey ambulance on the security monitor show up and then disappear. There are some really, really cool visual stuff that yeah the uh we see it on the security screen but then when we see the actual like med bay it's not there so there's like a ghost ambulance i guess yeah there's a scene near the beginning where they're just like tracking shots through the hospital and we see the entrance of the hospital with mary the ghost girl standing behind it and when the doors open she's not there Mm -hmm. Probably my favorite shot is at the beginning of the operation when Peter's under. There's this insane shot that is inside his eyelid. Yeah! (laughs) Those are awesome. That That was like the introduction to Peter in the old kingdom, quote unquote, where he's like wandering these creepy hallways with cobwebs and 
the Red Dragon tattoo song is playing over these speakers. And yeah, it's just introduced with this really weird shot of his <laughs> eyeball. It's really cool. Which is a perfect segue, Ben, into the next scene, which is Peter in the Upside Down. And his, his wife is actually yeah. with him in the room. And he can hear her over the hospital's, the, the old kingdom's PA system. And he's just walking through, exploring. It's very dark and, and creepy and ominous. And then he sees a creepy dude. And then we cut. Okay. I have to talk about this because it's my favorite moment in the entire episode. For it. We have not mentioned that there are two other characters who act as the Greek chorus. That's the word the I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. There are two characters. They seem to work in the kitchen, I guess. Yep. They are uh, two, uh, a young man and a young woman, who have uh, Down syndrome. Abel uh, and are Kristen. Yeah, uh, portrayed by actors with Down syndrome. And I love them. They are so good. Uh, but throughout the episode, whenever anything strange happens or th- there'll be a scene, and it will briefly cut to these two, and they'll turn to each other and just comment on the scene we just said as though they are seeing everything in the hospital through psychic abilities, Mm -hmm. which is a major king trope. And not only do they comment on it, but they think everything about it is hilarious. And I love it. (laughs) It's amazing. It's super unnerving. And they are so good. Uh, I I love them. But this is my favorite part of the entire episode is uh, Peter is in the old kingdom and he sees this other ghostly child this slightly older than mary boy who has vampire teeth i guess yeah uh and he like hisses at peter and he peter screams and then it cuts to our greek chorus in the kitchen and they turn to each other and one of them says the painter has seen the other one and the other greek chorus responds you mean paul That's the funniest shit I have ever (laughs) (laughs) Having this very ominous, scary ghost child and then revealing that his name is Paul (laughs) undercuts this creepiness a thousand percent. Next, we are back with Sally, who's talking to an older guy who's also in the hospital named Lenny. And we've seen him in another scene, but he didn't really do much. Did you guys think that she's started i don't know like something about the way that she started off really nice she was talking to him and then she was ordering him around like it's almost like she was talking dirty to him for a moment they have a history and i have no idea what it is there is some weird chemistry there because he's he's not responding he's playing with a deck of cards but he's just sort of sitting there and she's trying to talk to him and then she gets all stern and she's like cover that bitch and he moves his car and I'm like, what happened he's, just then? CM, yeah. um, he's he's playing solitaire. Oh, I miss that. He's playing solitaire and she says, and as she's trying to reach him, she says, move your jack, cover that bitch. Oh, so just, that's still just weird. Helping him it's in solitaire. Weird. Yeah, they have a history and the whole Sally subplot, I don't know why she's in the hospital. Like, I don't know what she's doing doing there we kind of get a hint of it in this scene what she might be doing there she first of all she's definitely a hypochondriac she's mm-hmm. for sure a hypochondriac but also she because she's psychic she can sense things are happening because she tells lenny 
that tonight they're going to get people together for a seance. Yeah, she tells him they're going to set things right. And it seems like she's referring to something from before, like something they have to fix or change. That was the impression I got. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We are back in Peter's room. Josh, I want to know your thoughts on this. Dr. Hook is telling Mrs. Rickman how bad the damage is. Fucking love this scene. This is another moment that I I wrote in my notes that Dr. Hook giving Peter's wife, uh, Natalie, this speech about how he's catastrophic, like the catastrophic injuries and that the odds of him surviving are slim. The odds of him surviving and not being paralyzed are even slimmer. The odds of him surviving not being paralyzed and being himself after all of this are basically non-existent. And when she uh, gets obviously emotional about this, he has this great line where he he's basically saying that the information I'm giving you is based on statistics and statistics are for groups. Your husband is an individual. He is a, a strong, determined man. His chances are 100% or 0%. And I was like, God damn this is such great medical drama scene work. It's so fucking good. Yeah, that's when Dr. Hook had me. Next, we are with our hit and run guy who is drinking and pill popping and he's watching TV and having flashbacks and he sees Peter's mutilated body on the TV screen. Question. Oh, wait. For, yeah. for, Hold oh, on. I know what you're Hold on. Say, then take it away, buddy. What the fuck is he watching on TV? He's watching he's- the network. He's right? watching From the a running fucking man. running man show. Yeah! He's watching the network. He the, he is watching a game show where a guy is strapped into an electric chair and he gets a trivia question wrong and then gets electrocuted. And I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is happening? See, that's why I think the truck driver came through a thinny and came to Peter's world. I don't think we're in the world of the stand. I mean, We're in the I, yeah, man universe. anything makes sense at this point. <laughs> I have another question about his flashbacks. So he's seeing it like it's a TV show. It's it's mm. cutting into the, the execution programming. Do you think that he's seeing it as, as though something supernatural is projecting it into the TV? Or is this just the director's way of showing us that he's having a flashback? I, I think it's entirely just uh, just a cinematic like way of showing that he is obsessing about it. Because I thought that too, uh, but then we we cut past him where he's sitting and there's there's a window with blinds behind him and Ant Bear is staring menacingly through the guy's front window. So I didn't know if like Ant Bear like it was connected to that somehow if he's sort of triggering that flashback. That's what I think is happening. I think that Ant Bear is creating this uh, this hallucination. I disagree entirely. I think that's crazy. It may just be me, but I thought through the blinds, Ant Bear looked awfully smug for an Ant Bear. I thought he did too. Well, I think Ant Bear just has like weird psychic abilities and knows that this guy's freaking out. I, I don't think if another person walked into that room, they would see Peter lying bloody on the side of the road. No, you know? I don't think that. But I, I think that it's something only... Our, our hit and run guy can see but i think it's because of something that is supernatural that's happening i don't think it's simply him having a very realistic flashback which i imagine you would have if you hit somebody and then left them for dead on the side of the road 
I know you've watched this before, Ben, but apparently I'm going to <laughs> ignore your oh. good sense. <laughs> oh, it, it was <laughs> how? When did the show come out? Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Really? So yeah, I haven't watched it in uh, <laughs> sixteen years. So who knows? Meanwhile, Doctor Hook has ordered an MRI for Sally. And we have a little thing, a little back and forth between her and her son. I don't think we need to go into that unless you guys want to talk about it. Seems like he, you know, he loves his mom, but he knows she's bonkers and he tells her as much. Okay. When he was about to put her on the elevator. Alone. Maybe it was just me. Alone, of course. I I must have not been fully paying attention. And I thought there was going to be a weird reveal. They were going to kiss. Where they <laughs> were, that was not her son. That That was actually her lover or something because there's a weird intimate ben thing i am with you 100 percent because i was, was paying weird. very close attention and i knew that was her son and i literally shuddered and went ooh when he because i thought yeah. they were gonna kiss it's it's weird and i, I don't think it's intentional had too much chemistry. yeah i don't think it's intentional at all <laughs> oh boy anyway now we meet dr stegman who is not jesse james He's yes, a super he's- dick. He nearly gets into a car accident. He has the most, you guys can can talk about this, but the most awkward and uncomfortable hissy feet I have ever seen in front of a group of young people. I'm sorry, the most uncomfortable what? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to say that word again, Why? please. Hissy fit? You, you <laughs> 1,000% said hissy feet. Yeah, you said hissy feet. <laughs> and I just thought that maybe you thought that's what it was. I wish. Uh, so I just, I'm okay. glad that Ben and I were on the same page about like, <laughs> we you needed guys, to make sure about that. I just got yeah. my braces off. I'm learning how to talk <laughs> all over again. So uh, yeah, Dr. Stegman, this scene lasts forever. It's oh, uncomfortably it's long. Yeah. It is so unnecessary like we get it immediately and it still goes on forever luckily for me i enjoy the uh country cover of gin and juice that the hoodlums are listening to uh so i was really into it. yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) those dang youths he calls them he yells main hicks at them (laughs) when he's like getting pissed off there is um, a parking area for doctors, but it's blocked off and there's temporary doctor parking. But Dr. Stegman is the chief of Naro and he's too good for that. So he pulls into um, a handicap space. He locks his steering wheel and then he gets out and he boots his car. Meanwhile, like the, these hoodlums across the street are just laughing at him because he's overreacting. So much. they're not even like doing anything to him. They're just like six people in their 20s or 30s. Like, they're not young people wearing, like, denim vests and looking like uh, what a middle-aged man thinks street toughs look like. (laughs) The the most they do is one guy lights a firecracker and throws it, not even near him, just into the street, and it makes him (laughs) jump. Uh, And then the last thing he does is he takes a paper bag and he puts it over the handicap sign and the one of the i look at the one of the hoodlums is like yeah <laughs> he's like <laughs> on board for it and then 
uh, to add insult to injury, he turns to walk in and he trips on a crack in the ground, much to the hoodlum's delight as they blow a gasket laughing at him. It just, it, it, it sets up, to me, I think the, the reason that this is so long and it's so pointed is because we are setting up, well, one, that Stegman's uh, kind of a uh, an asshole. Uh, yes, <laughs> he's also a definitely he's definitely classist for sure mm-hmm. possibly a little racist and it's setting up that this person who's already terrible and hates everyone is having the worst start to a day a person can possibly have so somebody who is already at like an eight asshole level is walking into work at a 13 yeah to continue the Scrubs analogies, he's the Kelso to Hook's Cox. Yep. I know you guys thought it was a little drawn out, but I thought it was extremely effective. And it, I felt increasingly uncomfortable. Like, you can almost imagine having a day like that. Not being a dick in the way he was, because I would never do that. But just where you're just trying to get through your day and everything's going wrong and you know you're reacting shittily to it and you just can't stop yourself. And when he tripped and dropped everything and fell, I I cringed and laughed uncomfortably. I was like, yeah, you got me. (laughs) Yeah. Like I get that it is trying to set up that he he's having this really shitty day, but also you can't write off that's why he's a piece of shit because he has a boot in the trunk of his car. (laughs) He is, this is not a, a a one time thing for this guy. I got the sense that every day for this guy is a shitty day. Like he's just a shitty dude who makes it a point to have a bad day every day. Like that's what I got. Yeah, I mean, it's it's long and it's drawn out, but by the end of that scene, I knew everything about Stegman that I ever needed to know. It was great character building for a scene that's very little dialogue. And, and it sets up our first kind of like conflict between him and Hook, who I'm starting to get the feeling is maybe our actual protagonist. Seems like yeah. it. Them, where they have this meeting and... All the other hospital staff is like, we have to wait for Dr. Stegman. And Hook's like, nah, nah, he should be on time. Fuck that guy. And (laughs) find out that he ordered this MRI when he's not supposed to have. And uh, so when Stegman finally shows up, he uh, tells Stegman, yeah, we, I ordered this MRI. And Stegman's like, no, you didn't. I only, I can do that. Uh, And Hook says, well, it's already happened. So. And he makes him rehab the meeting. That they just had. <clears throat> this also gives us a, a possible budding romance between Elmer and Dr. Hottie. <laughs> Dr. Hottie. Does it? I can't remember her name. Massingale. Massingale. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say something happens between those two. We'll see if I'm right or not. I don't remember. She says that Elmer is like, hey, we all know because there's a there, this is where there's a the earthquake happens right nope not yet that happens a little later yeah so okay. we like right after this scene is when we are back with sally she is once again by herself in an elevator in a hospital and just in time for some elevator shenanigans classic elevator shenanigans. <laughs> and there's always a little doll sitting on top of the elevator yeah. that i was be extra about- haunted 
I was just about to say something, but I couldn't remember whether that happened in this episode or if I was remembering something that happens in a later episode. Yeah, yeah you see it. Just you see it sitting up there. We are back in the upside down with Peter, who experiences a clip show before seeing the vampire <laughs> again. He comes back, like he he becomes conscious, and mm-hmm. Aunt Bear is there, and they make an agreement. And Aunt Bear tells him that he has to tell Dr. Hook and the old woman about Mary and that he needs to make them believe him. And Peter's like, I I don't understand what you're talking about. And Aunt Bear's like, well, you will. Don't worry. And then Ben, the worst nurse in the world, comes in. And when she sees that her patient, thankfully, has his eyes open, she must have an eye phobia, (laughs) she drops her tray on the floor again. Is it the same nurse from the earlier yes. scene? I didn't yeah. notice. That's hilarious. They need to. She needs to do That's something just else. Her thing then. <laughs> so well, keep, keep in mind, the, she knew that it was a one in a million chance he would ever even open his eyes and wake up again. Right. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty funny that they We're got drunk. the same nurse to do the same thing. That that's pretty good. I hope it keeps happening. I hope like once an episode, this woman just walks into a room and drops a tray. That's like who's the guy who always has to be eating something in movies? Brad Pitt. Yeah, that's that's her Brad Pitt thing. Okay, (laughs) so we we are we are coming to the end of the first episode of Kingdom Hospital. We as soon as Peter comes to and he opens his eyes, he comes back from the old kingdom. We go back to those two orderlies. And this is where I kind of figured out, it took me a minute, that they have an intuition about the hospital. Because this is when they say, Peter's back from the Old Kingdom. And then there's an earthquake. Which is the the second second or third earthquake that we've had in the span of one day. Mm-hmm. I think it's the second. Everybody seems to be completely used to these. Like, ah, oh, it just, it happens. Yeah, and they say something along, don't, don't they say something like, shit's going down like what is it that they say (laughs) i thought the last thing they said is peter's back from the old kingdom yeah that's pretty much the end of the episode stray thoughts the names yeah Uh, all right let's get into uh, it okay so it's not everyone some people have normal names but for some reason okay we went over there's dr jesse james which is nothing jesse james is clearly like obviously the outlaw does not fit the guy's character, does not inform anything about him as a person. It's just he has a name that gets makes you go, okay. <laughs> Dr. Hook seems to be, that's not a name. Are you guys fans of Dr. Hook? I love Dr. I, Hook. I do like Dr. Hook. <laughs> uh, but the, the name, it's just, it's not yeah. a real person name. <laughs> and then the worst one, the character we didn't even touch on, there is a maintenance man who works at the hospital. <laughs> Who may or may not be the guy that we meet? I think that might be him. I like. I think that it might be that guy, and yeah, he's just pretending he doesn't. Like, oh yeah, the Johnny's busy. Yeah, we. It's when Stegman is coming into the office. He for some reason stops in at this maintenance guy's room, and we see his desk, and the plaque on the desk is Johnny B. Good. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you think that's a joke plaque? I don't think so. I don't know, because there's a guy behind the desk and Stegman's like, hey, I need to talk to Johnny. And the guy behind the desk is like, ah, he left. I'm some other guy. I'd like to think that he's pranking him. 
that he's talked to him a thousand times and he knows that he's such a piece of shit that he does still doesn't know who he is. I do hope that's the case because that is pretty funny. Well, because he also kind of pranks him a little bit. And he's like, oh, Doc, you got to fill out a form. And Johnny must have one of these forms somewhere. And he's digging around until he eventually leaves. Yeah. It's just, why is his name Johnny B. Good? And honestly, <laughs> why is he in this show? He did not accomplish or have anything to do with anything. <laughs> well, we're only in episode one. There's one other thing I wanted to ask you guys' opinion on. And I'm not going to state it like a question because... The, the theme song is oh, fucking rad, right? The theme song is amazing. The, I, I forgot about this song, but as soon as I heard it again, I immediately got it on, got on Spotify and added it to my like kick-ass songs playlist. Who does because it? Because who is, I don't know who it's by, okay. but it's a song called uh, Worry About You, I think. It's just this very somber, Imogen Heap sounding song it's it's rad as hell everyone if you haven't watched the show at least look up the theme song it's very good it's mellow and creepy and it's so good this i think kingdom hospital uh, only first episode in but it feels like it was done now it holds up Mm -hmm. it really really does i was surprised there is only one thing and i i didn't mind it in episode one but i have a feeling i'm going to hate it and here's what it is. I have a feeling that in this 13 episode span, we are going to get an episode that is auto centric. And I fucking hate Otto. I don't like this character. We didn't even at talk all. about Otto. No. Is he the security uh, yeah. guard? Yeah, he's a security guard with the giant Coke bottle glasses he, he with a German accent. Hair. He's got bad hair. He looks strange. And also, he like, he is security but there's also a shot of him like buffing the floors and looking at bags. yeah he doesn't seem to know what his job is because at one point he's like doing orderly stuff he's put he pushes some patient yeah wheeling them around the hospital and i'm like what what are you doing also when the uh when elevator two because elevator two is the one that always has problems when it jams instead of fixing it he calls abel who's one of the Greek chorus members to go flip a breaker and, and take care of it. Like, it I'm not like sure what Otto does, but I don't care for him. It seems and like I he's their feeling... supervisor. And when it was released on like DVD, he was the guy on the cover. For yeah. Some I don't know why he was like a, a central ben. character to anything. Sex sells. yep all right well that's it for this episode of dairy public radio as always thank you for listening join us next time as we cover episode two of kingdom hospital for benjamin graham and cm alexander i'm joshua khan reminding you there is a price to be paid for the miraculous and blue cross doesn't cover it Hey everyone, Sam Alexander here. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kingdom Hospital. I sincerely hope that the audio quality wasn't too terrible for you. It's something that I'll continue to work on while we are recording remotely. I'd like to give a quick shout out to all of our Patreon supporters. You guys have stuck with us and you are so amazing and your your support means so much to us. So a huge, huge, huge thank you to Alicia Lillian, Amy Lawless, Brad Hahn, Bryant Burnett, Carlotta Luna, Don Burr, Jeremy Marr, Joel Jones, Casey Bauer, 
Lisa Kahn, Lyndon Gordon, Matt Kendall, Phil, Stephanie Pollard, and Tori Lynn McCammy. If you haven't already, please check out our Patreon page for all of our bonus episodes and merchandise. Please also visit our website, constantreaders.org, for everything Stephen King and Stephen King adjacent. And if you guys are bored in this social isolation and you need something to do and you haven't already, please go to iTunes and rate and review us. That apparently is the one major thing that keeps us up there in the charts and makes us easy to find. We hope that you are all staying safe and healthy during this time. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye. <laughs>